In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Good to see you all. It's cold outside, so thank you for coming. I'm going to start on a slightly less positive note than I usually start on. So, one of the monastic writers, very well respected in the West, who took his spirituality from the deserts of Egypt, John Cassian, was speaking of a passage that St. Paul wrote. And he was commenting on the trials and tribulations. And he said, according to St. Paul the Apostle, the virtue of a man, or indeed a woman, is brought to perfection not amid idleness and pleasure, but in infirmity. Okay, so what did he mean? It's not at times when we're idle at rest, or when we're happy and we're pleased, that virtue is going to be the most positive or most visible. Our virtue is actually tested most when we're in infirmity, when we're in trouble. And I suppose it's right. If you think about it, if you're having a wonderful day and it's very nice and everyone's being nice to you and you've got no challenges, then of course it's easy to be the, the ideal Christian. Pleasant, hopeful, loving, caring. You've got nothing to forgive, so you don't need to be forgiving. Whereas it's at times of greatest trouble when our patience is tested, when our forgiveness is tested, when our love is tested, when all of these things happen. And all of this then requires something very important. It requires patience. Patience with the world around us, patience with situations, patience with our lives, patience with the experiences we go through. Patience with hope, knowing that whatever we're going through, however difficult it is, however bleak it appears, it still comes to an end. It will end. Proverb 12, 25 tells us that anxiety in the heart causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. So if we look at the world around us, there is so much to cause us anxiety. And if this proverb says to us that a good word a single good word gives pleasure. What about the good word, the good news? The news of the resurrection, the news of salvation, the news the scriptures themselves that come to us and give us such an incredible positive message reassuring us that actually this is not the end, this is just a journey. And the end is the salvation, the perfection in the kingdom that we hope to achieve. That no matter what sort of difficulties you go through in this life, that's not the end game. It's not what we hope to live forever. Although at the time of tribulation, at the time of trouble, it seems like it's forever. It seems like it just doesn't end. But this journey needs us to be 
comforting one another. You see, if you're taking this journey alone, it's a tough journey. It's a lonely journey. It's a journey during which there's trial, tribulation, there are obstacles. There are things that implicitly or explicitly stand in your way. There are things that, are, that actively or passively stand in your way. And that's why when we journey together, when we walk together, when we seek together, we're able to reassure each other. Because my view of life today will probably be different to yours. My view of life today will be built upon my overall view of my life, but also on my experiences today. Did I wake up in the right mood? Have I met the right people along my way? Have I been challenged in a certain way? Has something happened to make me lose my focus? Have I met someone who's given me an encouraging word? Have I met someone who's deflated me? We're all human, and we're all subject to those things, and we're all very affected by everything we experience. And we can't tell each other not to be affected. We're going to be affected. That's how God created us. God didn't create us to be in this world, but to be insensitive to the world. We're not supposed to be isolated. Of course, we're going to be affected by everything around us. So... First and foremost, we need to try to be surrounded by the right environment, the right set of characteristics, the right people. But even when we do that, we are never fully safeguarded. So what we also need is to be able to have a safety net around us. So that when we face troubles, tribulations, struggles, obstacles, there are people there who help us. And that's why the first epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 11, says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another. Comfort each other along the way. To edify is to make better, to inform, to, to allow each other to become better people. So we have that responsibility, both to edify, but also to comfort. And it's wonderful that comfort is put first, because what we often say to you is, no, 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 you need to be edified, you need to become better, or you need to make each other better. But the scriptures are so aware of our humanity, and so aware of the challenges we face as humans, and so aware of the limitedness of our humanity sometimes, that it approaches that and addresses it directly. So we're told first to comfort one another and then to edify one another. So at times of trouble, we need that comfort. We need that reassuring word. And we often need to be that reassuring word. We need to be that comfort for each other. Anyone who knows me will know that you know, there is time for tough love. And I think that is sometimes needed. There's time for a, for a stern word, for a reminder, uh, for an encouragement. But there's also a lot of time for comfort and love and reassurance. For calming the storm first. And once we've calmed the storm, then people look at life very differently. 
then if we comfort, if we assure, reassure, then maybe we won't need to do much else. Maybe then it sorts itself out. Maybe that storm that appears to be bigger than us, or that is going to permanently engulf us, suddenly takes its shape, takes its size, and we are more reassured and therefore more able to deal with it. Psalm 57.1 And this is one to remember when we are going through those darkest times. Speaking to God says, My soul trusts in you. My soul trusts in you. Now, trust is something that is essential in our Christian lives. First and foremost, our trust in God. And that becomes difficult sometimes because we can't see Him. We sometimes can't hear Him. We, can't, we don't know how to experience Him. But spiritually, we also need to look beyond our physical, experiential approach to life, which means I experience things now, so I base everything on now. I need to go back. I need to go back to times when he's been there for me, when he's supported me, when he's comforted me. Not everything can be a here and now assessment. Because even if we speak about people who are directly in front of us, people we deal with, people we speak to, people we can interact with physically and personally, we say, well, you know what? I, I, you weren't nice to me today. You weren't gracious with me today. You weren't generous with me today. But then I've got to remind myself, but what about... All the past times. What about all the times when you have been generous and kind and gracious? So even more with God. We need to remember that. I hope that we've all had an experience of our own that has shown us how gracious and loving and generous He is. I hope that we've all had at least one of those. And even if we haven't, I hope that we've heard of it in somebody else's life. So even if I haven't experienced it, I hope I've experienced it through somebody else. And it's time to remind ourselves of that. Lord, based on that experience, based on that history, based on my knowledge of you, based on your consistency, I trust in you. And I trust in you to the extent, and the verse goes, that in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. Ima imagine the imagery. So, the wings of God. Imagine a bird. Great eagle. Still has chicks. They're weak. They're vulnerable. So, where do they find refuge? Except under the wings of, of their parents. God is that great power in our lives. He is the creator of all. He's the all-powerful. 
all present. And under those wings is the greatest refuge. And that's where we need to find that safety. We look at safety in so many different directions. We look for it in people, in situations. We look for it in social settings. We look for it in careers. We look for it in financial stability. We look for it in relationships. We look for it in so many different ways. And all of those things are good. But all of those things change. They succeed often. They fail sometimes. And so if we look for our refuge in those things that are susceptible to failure, even if that failure is a very minute possibility, then we remain vulnerable. But if I place my confidence, my trust, in the refuge that doesn't change, that's where I then have that reassurance. Verse goes on again, so he said, my soul trusts in you, in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge. Last part of that says, until these calamities have passed away. And that's the beautiful thing. Those wings are there for us. And you can imagine again, this small chick that looks out from under its parent's wing and peeks out. And once the predator has gone, is able to come out and frolic around and enjoy life again. That's the kind of life we need to live. Enjoying life, being confident, being comfortable, but knowing that at times of even calamity, we have protection under those wings. But what I want to point to even more in this verse is that these calamities pass away. There is no calamity that lasts forever. Even if it seems that way. Sometimes it seems like it just doesn't go away. Sometimes it seems like it will never change. It will never pass. It's important that we realize that everything passes. Everything comes to an end. Even our life comes to an end. But that shouldn't scare us. Because even with the ending of this life, comes a much better and more glorious start. So, if we look at the context of this more glorious start, this new life. St. Macarius of Egypt refers again to St. Paul and the sufferings that he speaks of. And he says, we must patiently endure everything. Patiently endure everything. I would love to tell you that miraculously everything in life is suddenly going to become better. You know, that's what I'd like to tell you, but we all know that's not right. It's not the truth. Some, some things don't become better quickly 
and as morbid as this sounds, may never become better. But that's what we need to endure. That's why we need to have patience. That's why we need to realize that there is something else to look forward to. Even if things never become better, this is not the end of our lives. Now, it really sounds morbid. It almost sounds like, okay, you have to finish this life. You need to die to get into something better. But that's not what I mean. Because what I mean is, look at the lives of the saints. See, God doesn't want us to have a miserable life. But whatever burden we carry, as we read in the epistles, whatever burden we carry, whatever test there is, whatever trial there is, whatever tribulation there is, it will never be without a way of escape. It will never be without the ability to carry it. Why would God want to break us? He actually went to great lengths to save us. The incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, sending out his disciples, establishing his church, reaching us until today, leaving us his sacraments on the altar, leaving us his sacraments for life. If he's given us all that, if he's gone to all that trouble, if he wanted to implement all of that for us, why would he go back on it? He wants to give us every possible support. Again, we go back to the first epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse, verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all of light and sons and daughters of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Visually, Metaphorically, when we speak of the night and of darkness in Scripture, we speak of times of uncertainty, times of tribulation, times when we don't know where we're going, times when we look out and we, we can't see an end. We can't see a destination. And that's why our Lord says to us, we need to be a light set on a lampstand, we need to be a city set on a hill. Because everyone will look out at one stage and will need that light. We need that light from others, but we will sometimes need to be that light for others. And that's why I'm saying we journey together, because at times we're going to be in utter darkness, and at times we are going to be light for others. So be assured that that darkness is not forever. And that's why Psalm 30 verse 5 is something you must learn. This is a verse that you must have in your self-preservation module back there. You know, the, the panic button. Something happens, you hit that panic button and this verse comes up. Weeping may endure for a night, 
but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Again, as I said, the night darkness is indicative, symbolic of uncertainty, of vulnerability, of fear even. But that's not the end of it. That will all come to an end. It will all pass. The night will pass. Someone mentioned something to me a couple of days ago, and it's obvious. You'll laugh that it didn't occur to me before, but you know, I, I think I heard it once, but then I forgot it. And that's this. The fact that it's nighttime now, the fact that it's dark outside now, doesn't mean the sun has ceased to exist. It just means we're in a position at which we can't see it. That's what nighttime is. Nighttime doesn't mean the sun has been turned off. Nighttime doesn't mean the sun has been stolen or hidden itself. It doesn't hide itself. The sun is there, is always illuminating. What happens is that the earth, while it rotates along its journey, gets into positions where the sun is no longer visible at certain times. So, what I'm saying by that is, the times of darkness are not because the sun, hope, God, salvation, it's not because these cease to exist. It's because we're in a position where we can't see them. And we all get into those positions sometimes. You know, I would love to say to you that um, when you all become bishops, which it's not going to happen because I'm sure some of you are called to much more important things in life than I'm doing, then everything will be fine, and everything will be great, and everything will be positive, and everything will be holy, and you'll always be encouraged, and you'll always be looking and seeing light. No. You know, everyone, we all have times of darkness. We all have times of uncertainty. We all have times of vulnerability. We all have times where we go through the night. But my reassurance when those things happen comes from this verse. Joy comes in the morning. And you know what? My reassurance is not even in the joy part. It's in the certainty that the morning will come. So, because we can look at this verse in two ways. We can say, okay, what I'll do is I will just be persistent, I'll be patient through the misery because joy will come. That's not what I want us to, to focus on. What I want us to focus on is no matter how long this planet remains away from the light of the sun, it rotates to a certain position where the sun becomes evident again. 
You know, even if you live in one of these wonderfully exciting countries where they have night time for six months, right? Those, even those six months come to an end. Even that night comes to an end. There is no night that lasts forever. There is no place on earth that never sees the sun. Even here, you know, we go through times at this time of the year, winter, where our daylight is very scarce. You know, you'll wake up in the morning and it's dark. You'll go to work and it's sort of miserable and bleak. You'll come out of work and it's dark again. But there are other times of the year where you'll wake up and the birds are chirping and driving you crazy because you're up at four o'clock in the morning. And then you go home and it's 10 o'clock and the sun's still out. And that's how our life is. Our life is sometimes in this absolute, constant, continuous presence in light, and sometimes we can't see anything at all, and it's absolutely dark. But the important thing is, in your patience, possess your souls. Joy comes in the morning. And that morning is the reassuring part of our lives. Whatever your challenge is, whatever your difficulty might be, however bleak things may appear, there's always a morning. Because God in our lives is that light. And His salvation and His hope is that morning. Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2, speaks of looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ in flesh, God among us, went through everything and even more that we go through. Now, I can't imagine how long the journey from the prison along the streets of Jerusalem all the way up to Golgotha must have felt. I can't imagine how long the time between him being nailed to the cross, lifted on that tree, mocked, ridiculed, speared, spat on. I can't imagine how long that must have felt. The time that he spent in the tomb dark, isolated. I can't imagine how long But even through that, he endured all of this. He endured the cross. He endured the shame. He endured the suffering. But at the end, 
he had the realization of returning to his kingdom. It was worth it. It came to an end. And our lives are very much the same. We will endure sufferings. We just need to be patient. But my final word is this. I don't want us to be patient while we're grumbling. I don't want us to be patient while we're resentful. Because you know what? I can be patient and I can stomp my feet. And I can be patient and I can be resentful of the tribulation. That's not the kind of patience going to help us. That's the kind of patience that leads me to feel that I'm abandoned. That I'm betrayed, that I'm forgotten. The kind of patience I need is the need is the patience that St. Paul reminds us of in the second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter one. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. That's not, even that is not the kind of tribulation that will make us forget God. Even those things that we suffer are not the kind of things that make us think that there is no hope. Because the same St. Paul who went through these things says, don't be ignorant and just remember that. Don't, don't neglect it, don't forget it, but don't think this is it. Because then he goes on to say that our life, our salvation, our hope, our promise, our trust is in the fact that even at the end of these tribulations, the day will come. The sun will shine again, and we will be reminded once again of the hope, and of the joy, and of the life, and of the promise that can only come through our Lord, for whom we will endure knowing that He is faithful always, and will always be there for us when the morning comes, and the night, no matter how long it is, passes and is defeated. And glory be to God forever. Amen.